This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me today is Richard Horse. Hello, everyone. Uh, this week, we are looking at a selection of films which have just had their premieres at um, this year's Fright Fest in London. Uh, we're going to kick off with The Moor. Then we have To Fire, You Come at Last. Uh, Liz Hurley is going to turn up in The Piper or Piper. Uh, then we have a Finnish horror movie called The Knocking. Then I believe the next one's German, which is Good Boy. Going to be interesting talking about that one. Uh, then we have Here for Blood and two documentaries, Enter the Clones of Bruce Lee and Manchunian Man. Our short shot is Home Invasion. And we're going to round off with a bit of Craig Fairbrass in Darklands. So, without further ado, let's crack on. Our first film, then, is The Moor. Claire was just a child when her best friend was abducted and murdered. 25 years later, Bill, the dead man's father, has a plan to learn the truth about what really happened. With the help of a psychic called Eleanor, they venture deep into the haunted moor where something dark and evil stirs at their presence. Um, I flagged this one as our flagship review, Rich. Um, hopefully you agree with me, but this one, this terrified me, I must admit. The ending of this I thought was brilliant. It, it so walks a fine line between sort of faux documentary and sort of horror movie because we get a lot of um, interviews with people who were affected by this fictional serial killer. Um, and it, it did remind me a lot of the case of um, Ian Brady, you know, the, the, the Yorkshire Ripper. Mm. Um, when, when I was a kid, I remember, and I was in Northumberland, so it's quite away from, you know, uh, Yorkshire. But even so, that's how far his reach you know the the fear of him got because i remember sitting on a bus and reading this like public information notice from the police about him and unfortunately it had the thing about the um the voice recording because mm. somebody had sort of rang in and sort of you know left him a message and that turned out to be fake but it, i do remember that bit in there saying you know call this number listen to his voice see if you know who he is you know that sort of thing and that's the sort of atmosphere you get from this film, from these interviews, you know, the, the summer of fear, that sort of thing. You know, I suppose it's it's akin to like the summer of Sam, you know, in, um, in, in New York. Um, and it builds that up quite well. And then we get the actual, the moor itself, I think, you know, um, is, is a character in the film. And they do a really good job of sort of making this a really desolate and oppressive place. And you can see how it affects the various characters sort of being out there. Um, then there's the procedural sort of element to it and the supernatural. And I think 99% of it works incredibly well. I only have one issue, which I will come back to in a minute. 
But I'm interested to know what you think of this. It, I'm, I don't think I liked it as much as you did, although I did I, like it. I think out of all the films that we're probably going to talk about, um, most of which have, some of which, including this one, have not yet secured you uh, uh, distribution. Well, I think in a lot of cases they have, but this one hasn't. I think of all the ones we're going to talk about, this is the one that I can potentially see getting a cinema release, perhaps mm. more than some of the others. Um, but still, it might be. It's. It's. I don't think it will go wide release, but I think it. It. It could potentially it become like a I little. Think, um, yeah. uh, what do you call it? Could become like a little yeah. sleeper sort of thing, mm -hmm. like a like like talk to me recently that kind of thing. Um, the. It's. It's also a hard one to talk about in any sort of detail without spoiling anything. Indeed, be because a lot of it is to do, I guess, with. Uh, like your expectation of what you might get from a horror film. Mm. Uh, and, you know, uh, yeah. It's, it, so the, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. Mm -hmm. um, I'll probably in a moment just sort of say spoiler warning and then we'll sort of talk about a couple of the elements without going into detail. Mm. But um, it is very atmospheric. Uh, I like the uh, sort of, it, it's a very, I guess, dour is the best way to describe it, you know, because it's very washed out and, you know, as you say, it's desolate. The, the, the moor is quite interesting because it's it's kind of an environment that in another place, you know, they would use like a desert mm. uh, uh, or something. And because it's an, or a, um, you know, like uh, like the, the vast wood, like wrong terms or the vast woodlands and stuff. It's just yeah. such a massive area. There's this great moment early on where they're sort of looking at the map about where to go. And yes. Goes, yeah, yeah. You think, you think that's, that's the moor. Yeah, yeah, you, you think, think that's, that's the moor. And then it gets, and it's Birded Hill, which is great. Yeah. And he gets out like four different maps. Yeah, and puts at least, them all together. Yeah. And he says, that's what, you're, that's what you're looking at here. Yeah, that's what we're trying um, to search in, yeah. Yeah, so which is extraordinary. Um, I don't know. I think Holmes, I think it's Holm Moor in the film. I don't know if that's a real place or whether they've sort of approximated mm. a real place. I think there is a place called Holm and something, yeah. but I'm not sure if it's the same thing. Um uh, I've, you know, I probably the closest to anything like that I've been to is like New Forest, which is a vastly different kind of landscape because there are areas like that, but not to this scale. Um, it's, you know, there's a lot more, a lot more trees and stuff. And this is like, there's no trees and stuff at all. Um, so yeah, it's quite, it is very atmospheric. The characterization is very good. The, it's, it sort of gives you, gives and then takes. It, it say it, it does, it pulls from what you would necessarily expect a typical horror movie to do. I think the best way for me to describe it or to compare it to the best film to compare it to that people would recognize would be The Blair Witch Project. I think there's a lot of similarities um, in, in part in the, it's not, as you mentioned, there's that kind of documentary-ish element to it, which, mm. which is not just, which is the um, interview clips and, and the body cam footage. And I guess the body cam footage is kind of an element that's quite close to the Blair Witch Project, but the it's also the sort of general tone and the you know the reality of what it is. Although I guess it sort of leans, it's it, something it, sort it, of primordial, it, it it's a primordial yeah. sort of atmosphere about you know the, the place. Yeah, definitely. it does kind of show its hand eventually, hmm. but, um, and make you know things are a bit more explicit. Although um, the uh, yeah the so uh, I'm just going to say sort of spoilerish bit now, just because I just want to sort of mention something that's 
potentially is going to impact the enjoyment. So if you if you don't want to know about this particular part, uh, skip ahead. Skip a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so the film never gives you any uh, satisfactory explanation, which I think is is another similarity. I mean, the Blair Witch Project did it to extent to an extent, but this one it kind of introduces some ideas, but lets them sort of sit there and bubble. You know, and, and it keeps it vague, keeps you, the characters are kept in the dark. There's no, there'll be other films we talk about this week where somebody can go off and they find a book and it's got all the answers in and whatever. And uh, in, in this case, you know, there's like a monolith uh, and different things. And there's little indications of stuff happening, like a, there's, um, there's an, archaeolo uh, an archaeological dig going on, things like that. Um, but there's no explanation of what that is. Uh, and I think... You know that might frustrate people a bit. Uh, I, th I I didn't mind it, um, but and, you know I think the um, it's a film that's about atmosphere. And I looked up what the director was, Chris Cronin was was going for, and he was saying about it's not more about if I understood him correctly from what the statement said. Mm -hmm. It's not so much about a, a horror, a typical kind of horror situation. It's about aftermath and dealing with dealing with the the sort of situation so that's about the you know the aftermath of obviously the the child going missing but also the aftermath of like some of the events that happen in the film there's like a there's like a major set piece moment uh and essentially we cut away or you know that the, they're they're suddenly off the moor and they're back at their houses or whatever and just sort of pondering what's happened and whether to you know give it another shot and stuff like that Do you know what i mean mm -hmm. absolutely um Oh, excuse me, I'm <clears throat> just having some soup. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you're right. And the film, to me, is about sort of the longevity of grief, basically. You know, th th these murders happened. And one in particular, you know, we, we see the setup of it at the beginning when, when um, Claire is with Danny. And they come up with this idea of, like, shoplifting some sweets out of the shop. Mm. But she gets scared and runs off and leaves them in there for a minute. Um, but when very interesting back, camera like, work in that, by the way, where where they yeah. sort of they try to it's all it's almost like a one-up, but it's mm. like a number of shots put together quite jarringly as a as a it's like a, it's almost like um it's very visually quite interesting that whole sequence that opens the yep. film. Yeah, sorry. I've lost my train of thought now. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were saying yeah, so. Yes, yeah, so about the longevity, longevity of grief. Um, because, you know, uh, Danny's dad, Bill, he's still searching the moors. He's been doing it for 25 years. You know, he's been up there sort of looking. Um, we, we find out why he's been looking in specific areas um, while he's up there. Uh, you know, the serial killer's been caught and he's been in prison for 25 years. Um, but he's not saying he's not been saying anything about where things are, and he's about to get paroled, which is why Bill has asked Claire to sort of do a podcast and things like this and get involved mm -hmm. uh, and and to help with the search. Um, but yeah, so so you know she's been carrying around a, a certain amount of sort of grief and and, and guilt, you know, even, even though she feels that Bill has sort of like shrieved her of that a bit. Um, in the way he's he's sort of uh, helped her in the past, but then you know we get the um, the police detective, and then, again there's sort of um, 
there's parallels with the Ian Brady thing, you know, the idea that he was caught by accident almost, you know, it was, it was almost like a, a mistake that they actually managed to come across him. But um, yeah, that, that plays a big part of what's going on. The actual sort of, like the, you know, the, um, uh, the sort of supernatural element, I'm kind of glad that that wasn't explained. You know, I'm glad there wasn't an expert or a book yeah, you yeah, know, some, exactly. some ancient tome that they can go, oh, look, you know, there's drawings of stuff going on and, you know, any anything like that. Um, because it, it it diminishes your, it, it diminishes your expectations, you know, it, um, it, it doesn't preload you. So you, you have no idea what's what's coming. You can't really sort of think about what's what's coming. Um, it does sort of set up a nice thing with the, the, the medium um Eleanor as well when she explains her process and, mm -hmm. and you know things like that. Um and you know she builds it up really nicely and it and it's really effective when you see it. You know, there's no special effects or anything. It's just literally her moving from one chair to another in the background. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a really works. good little moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then later on, what happens out on the moor, because of that that sequence earlier on what happens you know you you're terrified really you know, what's what's happening it's like oh my god you know and and there's nothing there there's you know there's no characters or, any, or no actors on screen affecting it or anything it's just you know her character um sort of pulling it all off which which i thought was brilliant and that's the way it goes for most of the film and and you get my only complaint about the film and it's not it's only a niggle it's not really a complaint is the film sort of comes to a natural end where it's kind of like everyone goes, shit happens, I guess, you know, we'll never get to the bottom of this sort of thing. You know, let's go back to our normal lives. You know, we'll talk about it and all the rest of it. And and that would have been in itself a really good ending. You know, I mean, it might leave people sort of going, ah. but I, I would have thought that would have been true to the film in on its own but then we get another sequence and and it's just that there's that sort of jarring moment between this sort of like just coming to sort of gentle close and then suddenly lurching you into this other sequence which is filmed completely differently and everything and, and it you know if i was being really really pessimistic i'd have thought you know this is them sort of second guessing themselves but at the same time that final moment is so bloody effective. You know, it makes the film. So I, I can I can forgive it that sort of jarring switch because what they come up with is it's it's Josh against the wall in in um, Blair Witch. Mm. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. It's it's that moment of oh fuck. You know, <laughs> it's it's that which um it, which is why. I, I, I think this this deserves a really big audience because people are going to go bloody hell at the end of it. Um, yeah, so, so that's that's me <laughs> on this one. I don't want to sort of go into too many other areas on it, but yeah, brilliantly acted. I will say one other thing: um, Eleanor's dad. I can't remember the name of the actor. Um, that moment in the tent. I think it's Mark. Yeah, uh, there's a moment in the tent. You know that big whole sequence we're talking about. There's a mm. look on his face, which is just pure 
it's it's somewhere between malevolence and indifference. You know, it, it's it's just like it, it, it's weird. And it, 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 I was complaining the other week. We we're watching something about um, oh, all actors sort of do demons the same way, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and and this was just like just brilliant in the way you know because he's completely still it's just the look on his face and that's all he, all it needed to sort of really you know sort of hammer at home sort of the situation we're in but that yeah that's me <laughs> that's me on this one any more thoughts uh rich no a uh, very uh say very uh very good performances from uh sophia laporta uh mm-hmm. as as claire and um say i think it was is it eleanor dorma phillips mm-hmm. uh uh Oh, sorry, Elizabeth Dorma Phillips as Eleanor, Eleanor yeah. uh, and we've got. Um, uh, I think particularly good is uh, David Edward Robertson mm-hmm. as the bereaved father, uh, Bill. Um, Bill yeah. Yeah. Who's, he's the, basically the motivator behind the whole thing. Uh, it's his relentlessness which keeps pushing, which basically pushes everyone into yeah. what is ultimately a, a pretty dangerous and uh, harrowing sort of series of events. Um, so yeah, he's 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 very good. Um, Chris Cronin is again a, not a filmmaker I wasn't really familiar with, but he's he's got a lot of uh, short films behind him. So I'll definitely be exploring those. Some of which have included uh, at least one of the members of the cast from this. I know David um, uh, David Edward Robinson is his credit is did on on at least one of his shorts. So I'll definitely be checking those out, and uh, including an action film actually because he did like a little action short called Hail of Bullets. Which I'm oh, particularly cool. interested in. So yeah, so it seems quite a director who's um, does a lot of horror uh, in a, in his past, but he has experimented with other things. So um, this appears to be his feature debut. So um, yeah, lots of lots of good things to cover from. I think there's definitely uh, an, you know uh, a comparison to be drawn with directors like Ben Wheatley who have come up mm-hmm. in, in the last you know seventy. 20 years or 15, 10, 10, 20 years, <laughs> uh, British filmmakers. I think is that, that he, he's definitely one of those who seems, based on this debut, uh, to potentially have the room to, you know, create um, mm. some some quite interesting stuff, you know, uh, going forward. So definitely it seems to be a name to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, for me, you know, from the opening shot right through to the end, that final shot um, totally had me transfixed to the screen. Um, how are you going to score it? I'm going to give it an eight. Mm-hmm. I I don't think we've ever given a ten, and I'm not going to this time because, as, as, as I said, you know there is that jarring moment between sort of the natural end and the, and the really scary end. Mm-hmm. But it is for me. This is a nine. It's the best thing I've seen in ages. So there you go. High high marks from us. At an eight and a nine for the more. When you get a chance, check it out. Our next film is To Fire You Come at Last. In rural 17th century England, a group of men gather to carry a coffin on the long walk to the local graveyard for burial. Okay, this is a very different film. <laughs> to the one we've uh, just discussed. For one thing, it's only about 40 minutes long. It's also almost shot in black and white um, and takes place on one dark evening. Um, I I did enjoy this, though. 
I, I thought this was, um, you know, it's quite tight. Some of the dialogue is a bit rote, um, but a lot of it is really good. You know, most of the dialogue I actually enjoyed, but every now and again, it would sort of like um, slip into sort of very sort of cliched sort of uh, lines. But other than that, I thought it was very well acted. I thought it was very well shot. Um, you know, it, it did have a very sort of high creep factor. I thought it actually worked really well. How did you find it, Rich? Yeah, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I wasn't sure going in um, and also, you know, it, it, uh, identifying the sort of aesthetic they were going for. I was like, oh, I'm not really sure about this. But um, yeah, I, I did. I, I thought, you know, it's very much driven by the script and the performances uh, because essentially that's what it is. It's like a, 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 almost like a play between like four um, four actors. Uh, it reminded me, a lot. it's another film, it's very different to The Moor, but it is, it does have some similarities in that there, there's, a, there's, you know, they're out in the middle of nowhere. There's something supernatural going on or potentially supernatural going on. And the, you know, the, the interactions and the sort of mistrust and the sort of uneasiness of various characters and certain changes in personality that occur. The, yeah, yeah. um, uh, the uh, film is, as you say, it's it's pr pretty much exclusively black and white, and it may it remind. I don't know if it was intentional, or not, but it did. Again, I know I already mentioned the name of it, but but like Ben Wheatley sort of came through. Mm -hmm. There was um, a film he did called A Field in England, which Field I never saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never saw it, but it feels to me like this would sit alongside that. I think it's set in a slightly different period. Yeah, but um, you know the. There's, there's a, there are some, there do seem to be some sort of surface similarities at the very least, um, in, in part, you know, during this, due to the, you know, isolated location and the, and the, um, uh, the periods, the period sort of mm. time of it and the costume involved and, and things like that. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, this, if, if, I mean, if this was a couple of minutes shorter, it would be a short film and I would definitely be publicizing it on our, uh, DTV short shots. Twitter and stuff like that, um, and it, it's it's an odd one because you know at forty three minutes, what kind of I, I had this discussion with um, Matt Poirier on the uh, director video connoisseur podcast mm -hmm. recently. If you've got this kind of middle ground of you've got a short film which is less than forty minutes, and then you've got films that are between forty minutes and like not, uh, seventy minutes, which you know you barely ever see a film release that's less than seventy minutes. You know, so. Although this will could certainly get a digital release, yeah, um, I, I think it, you know people want feature length. So you know if this is coming out at like the typical price point on a VOD mm. service, for example, I don't think people are going to necessarily. I mean, unless they're really hardcore, yeah. they're not going to seek this one out. I think it would find a natural home on Shudder, though. Yeah, so I agree. if they can, yeah. if it can get, um, uh, I think it's actually got distribution. Uh, I'd have to double double check the um the information but the um uh yeah it's, it is the kind of thing i think that would would fit shudder best uh very you know satisfying sort of quite conclusion one of the performances is quite over the top mm -hmm. and you kind of have to get along with that as that took a little bit of getting used to but once you go you know that and once you get you know what that character is doing and maybe 
maybe he's sort of exaggerating his 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 way his ways a little bit and stuff like that. Um, it is a bit sort of Monty Python, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is, yeah. Uh, it's actually from uh, Severin Films. I've got this one, so yeah, Severin Films. So I could see it maybe coming out as part of like a blu-ray box or something like that rather than necessarily by itself who knows it might get a digital uh, um, uh, a standalone release but i just think it's it's an awkward one in the market but um yeah so. hopefully you know someone like shudder will pick it up and it will find a better audience indeed i, I totally agree yeah the the performances in this you're right they're, they're... There's one guy, well, there's two guys in, in particular. One, one who's like very overtly over the top and gets a lot of dialogue, but there's another guy who is very shouty, but luckily he doesn't get to say a lot. <laughs> um, and but the, the first one you mentioned, yeah, at first you think, oh, he's going to be really annoying, but then as, as you say, you know, he his persona sort of changes a bit, and and I thought. Okay, I, I know where this is going, and it and I didn't. Yeah, you know, um, it it did completely wrong foot me. There, there, there's a particular incident and a reveal about, you know, three quarters of the way in. There's been there's loads of sort of reveals and twists going on, just through the conversation. But then something actually happens, and there's a discovery, and it's like, ah, this is interesting, you know. And then we sort of find out a bit more. Um, yeah, it's it's short, as you say, and and it it needs to find a decent home and hopefully i think shudder is the right place for it hopefully the the, the director writer director sean hogan i think mm. this is his second feature mm. and his first one uh, interestingly uh, on the like poster it said one for fans of kill list so they're drawing a so even oh. with that film they were drawing a sort of ben wheatley comparison but the um the other thing about that film is it was uh, not as short but also still short. It was only 69 minutes long. So he's, which is which is an astute thing to do in one sense, because, you know, if you've got a very limited budget the or, or a limited story even, the worst thing you can do is stretch it out too far. So yeah. I, I appreciate that. Um, and who knows how long the credits are on, on that film and stuff. It might be padded out a little bit, but we're not sure. You know, that seven, you know you've got to think, back in the old days, feature-length movies were average 60 minutes long they never they didn't used to be uh, you know uh, 90 minutes of standard that kind of became uh, that was more um i think after the what like the 70s 60s and 70s became more more sort of standard especially for lower budget films but um yeah so i'm definitely interested and also another filmmaker who's got a lot of short films behind him so yeah another great thing about you know checking these films out is discovering these new or filmmakers when, that we're not familiar with that we can sort of delve in and uh, see see what more they've got to offer so i think this is an i'd say as Slightly derivative as this is, I would say, you know, there's there's a lot to take away, and I'm very interested to see what, um, you know, what will come in the future. Absolutely. How are you going to score it? I'm going to give this one a seven. I'm going to join you on a seven for this. Yep, two sevens for to oh, sorry, is it called again? To fire you come at last. It's not a it's not a title that rolls off the tongue, unfortunately. It so, is a unique um, title. Yeah. It is a unique title, and that, I do like that because sometimes I go looking for stuff, and when you've got something that's really generic, it can be very, very hard to find. So Absolutely. in terms of search engine you know, potential, uh, this combination of words is very helpful because you won't find another film with this title. Indeed. There you go. Two sevens for To Fire You Come At Last. Go check it out. Continue. Continue. Continue.
Next up is Piper. Liz and her daughter Amy move to Hamlin, where a dark secret in Liz's past is uncovered by the restless spirit of the Pied Piper, who seeks out those who have gotten away with a crime and punishes them by taking away their children. This is another film which is shot mostly in German and then dubbed into English. Um, and it hasn't been dubbed particularly well, unfortunately. Um, I thought I didn't catch, I didn't notice the dubbing really. I just thought it was all in English, apart from a few lines that were really? were in German and subtitled. But, um, well, may, maybe, but it, it's clear that English isn't their first language for a lot of it. Oh, no, no, at the end, there's like an epilogue at the end. Um, and whatever is said, you know, I, we, we see a gravestone and, you know, a, a revelation at the end. But, you know, whatever dialogue is said at then, I just couldn't hear it. It was a... But anyway, that's me. I found this one interesting up to a point. Uh, I thought the prologue was genius. Um, and, you know... You I think I, it shows its hand a bit too early, though. Oh, very much so. Yeah, so yeah, you know, I, I've made my uh, hatred of well, not hatred, my dislike of horror films about kids, well known. Um, you know, is a bit of a turn off for me to sort of have to watch kids in peril. Unfortunately, pregnant women are another one. Um, so I was like, oh god, here we go. And then this kid is like doing his damnedest to kill himself as his mum's trying to take him to hospital. You know, um, it, it's it's a crazy scene. Oh, that yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, that's that is a very intense opening. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as you say, yeah, we we, we it shows it shows too much going going into it. Um, there are some very strange revelations. There's a whole bit. This this dark secret of Liz Hurley's character's past is mm -hmm. so brushed over she's like yeah it's just something that happened you know <laughs> it's like eh, well, not really my fault a little bit my fault but not really my fault and her daughter's kind of totally appalled by it um i, I don't know I, I'm, I'm sort of like not totally on board with this one how about you rich what, what do you make of it i thought it's a it's, it's an unusual one because it because of its combat con concept which is a horror version of, you know, the Pied Piper of Hamelin, mm. which is just it sounds so comical. Um, it feels like it was something that would have been made in the 90s around the same time as... So you had a cycle of certain films, so, which pretty much started with Leprechaun, mm. of then doing, you know, fairy tale-ish stuff, where you had, um, like, Rumpelstiltskin came, was that, that was a knockoff of, of that. But then you also had more... You have even more mainstream stuff like the Snow White movie that was Snow done White, with um, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. yeah, so this this is kind of almost like out of out of the time. It sort of feels a bit weird because it's it's got it's it's also a Euro horror kind of thing, which is again sort of a, something that was a bit more we were a bit more familiar with. I guess I mean, and, and I mean in terms of Euro horror, like um, uh, like. It's a British production, essentially, but then they've gone to a foreign country and then they all speak English and stuff like that. Although there is the explanation of, oh, they're at an international school, so that gives them the sort yeah. of get out why they can. So, um, but it also did remind me of that um, that film recently, which did a similar thing but wasn't so comical, which was the one we saw, it was a Shadowrun film 
about the couple that went to Finland. And it was almost like, why were they in Finland? And there was yeah, that, yeah. That, had folk horror, that had some folk horror elements as well. That's but that thing, was yeah. like another one. It was like, well, they don't really need to be in Finland. Whereas in this one, the, the whole hand because they're in Hamlin yeah, and exactly. they, they, they go exploring yeah. mythology or whatever. It's all part of it. So that makes sense. But it is also very in the same style as nine, a lot of nineties horror. It's that investigative journey. Yeah. But it the is, character but goes they, on to try and find a solution, uh, an explanation. Yeah, and they exactly. find a book. And like I said, thing. I was like, find a book. And all sort of yeah. And, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that you have to come up with a backstory for the Pied Piper, who is always mm. just a fairy tale, you know, it's like the Brothers Grimm or whatever. Um, but um, and I, I think that's what makes it convoluted to me, is this whole thing, you know. Um, I did it like does the try bit, to do a lot. It does. Yeah. yeah. I did like the bit at the end where. Her, her, is it her partner, or he's he sort of going, oh, it's all a scam or everything, and then he starts licking bits and sets everything off again. I thought, I thought that bit was was pretty good, but I thought the ending was, ugh, really? It's it's teen romance stuff, you know. It's it's not really horror for me. Well, there, there, there is, yeah, there is that romance but is it, element. But then I suppose, I suppose the film is aimed at that audience, isn't it? Because, because you know, although we've got Liz Hurley as, as you know, essentially the sort of protagonist, it, it, the film focuses almost as much on her daughter. Um, as you know, so, so you could sort of take it that, yeah, it's 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 meant to be, you know, teen romance horror kind of thing as as, as much as anything else. Yeah, that's fair to say. It's it is a bit uneven as well in that sense because you're like, well, you feel like you're mainly focused on one character, and then it yeah. like shifts to the other character, and, you, and then you realize, oh, they're actually trying to do both at the same time. Right, same time. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, there is the you know, it starts one of the bits starts with a meet cute, which just sort of seems a bit seems a bit disturbing because he's like. Uh, it, and the way he greets her is a bit inappropriate. <laughs> he sort of it's like, it's like yeah. starts kissing her, kissing her and stuff. And I think which is in this day and age is would not really be received that well. But she seems quite taken with him anyway. But um, yeah, that's so they add all these elements and then they try and pile on all these twists and stuff at the end. Mm. And it's like it's almost like that. Oh, that wasn't what you thought it was all along, kind of thing. And they try to do that with like two or three elements. And it's yeah. like um, it's got a. It's got some, say, it's got all those sort of folk horror sort of elements in there as well. Although it's set in the, it's set in a, um, in a, in a, in the town or, or city of Ham. Um, but it's, it's all to do with like the history. There's, they go to a gypsy camp, and you know, there's this whole gypsy community that they're sort of getting. Uh, who, you know, we we're not sure how involved they are, or when, when they talk to one who's. The, the the lead gypsy lady i could not place where i knew her from and uh, i was i was really kicking myself um mm -hmm. did you did you i uh, did you no. pick up on who it was no. when you were watching it so um tara fitzgerald who was very big what? in the 90s she, she, she was doing, um i said i recognized her i just couldn't think of her name and it was driving me mad until i because the funny thing is she's not credited on imdb in this so there's an oversight there that i'm sure it'll add on eventually but She's got a very prominent role, and I was thinking, she. I, well, I can't see her name in the in the lineup. Maybe it's just someone who really looks like seems <laughs> familiar. 
seems familiar to me, but it's actually a completely different actress. And I was like, no, I'll watch the end credits. And it was Tara Fitzgerald. So we've got Elizabeth Hurley and Tara Fitzgerald. I'm not sure if they ever acted in in one, a, a film together before because they were very much, you know, two of the sort of leading act, leading act, British actresses of the 90s. And uh, I quite like Elizabeth Hurley. I actually thought she was good in this. So, I mean, I, I think yeah. that's, you know, she's got that court sort of uh, reputation where it's sort of like, oh, it's a it's a horror movie about the Pied Piper with Elizabeth Hurley. You know, those are all those are a couple of like co comical elements to say. You know, you say the Pied Piper thing, you say Elizabeth Hurley, and say, so, oh, this sounds a bit silly, and it is. It is a silly film. Uh, that's fair to say. There's some nice visual effects and and stuff in there, but they they do. Um, it, it's very rote. You know, it's yeah. the you know they arrive in the strange place. Some good rat handling. I have to say, the rat some good rat handling. Good. Rat handling. And I'd say there must be some. There's some there's a lot of CGI rats, but I think yeah there are there's there's some real rats in there as well. Uh, and um, oh, did you this one? I think I wanted to check with you. Did you stay tuned during the end credits? Um, did I think I did? Because there's like three mid credits scenes, or oh, two right. two mid credit scenes and an end credit scene. No, so no that's <laughs> I would I would advise any of you one who watches it don't turn off when it's over. the weird thing is the early the mid credit scenes are kind of innocuous or at least they seemed innocuous to me it was like okay i don't really understand the need for oh, that or at least at least yeah. one of them um the other thing is that they play during the credits so the credits is um uh running alongside the oh. you know the footage in, in a box well it's not like it, it's not like the credits break and then you get a full screen you know it's kind yeah. of it's happening alongside which is a, a format that i don't see end credits mid credit scenes and that done with generally mm. unless it's like a comedy or something anyway but yeah there's kind of a there's a big moment thing at the end where again sort of oh really you know so, so okay fair enough you know it's a standard horror thing that they do um yeah. and when you Just when you see it you'll know. Thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah the um so yeah it's quirky it's silly it's probably a bit too dense i think that you know they say the silly stuff is like for example so they do the investigative thing where they go to a library and they find a book. The book just happens to be completely written in English. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, well, how convenient is that? In Germany, that this historic, that this classic text was written in English. Let's <laughs> um, say I did like some of the performances. Uh, the the love interest guy who's kind of there as you're supposed to sort of. Is he, is you know how connected is he to what's going on? Pied Piper, I, I will say, is off screen a lot. Most there is actually it's not like a. It starts out and you think it's going to be more of a slasher movie than it is. There's it's it's mainly the investigation and the sort of mm -hmm. uh, the spookiness uh, and you know not really a lot of you know big <laughs> people being haunted or you know in in various ways. It's not so much about the Pied Piper coming after people because basically. He comes after someone at the at the beginning, and then he's essentially pursuing um, a couple of the other characters, and that's yeah. that's that's his only objective. There's there's not really a lot of other, you know, there's not really a high body count in this film, is what I'm trying to say. Um, the body, the Pied Piper does look like Arrow, um, <laughs> which is a bit, which is also quite comical when you see him at the, at the start, because they say they show him pretty much in the first five minutes, which I think say was. At least you know. Um, I, they, I guess maybe they thought, you know, this is called the Piper. It's in Hamlin. People are going to know what we're talking about here, so maybe there's no point in 
you know, beating around the bush. So I kind of appreciate it from that perspective. Um, not sure if you noticed who the director was, but it's Anthony Waller who did Mute Witness. That was his breakout oh, film. Right. Yeah, also back in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, on the back of that, he did American Werewolf in Paris, which yeah. wasn't the big Hollywood break um, that it was supposed to be. So he's kind of, he's done lots of other stuff over the years. But, um, you know, he was a bit, a bit like, you know, a bit like some of the, so like the Moor and stuff, you know, the Moor yeah. is kind of like a mute witness mm. kind of film. So you've, you've got the, you know, it's, I can see, the more getting a lot of notice, the, you know, the director being, you know, pulled into a big production or whatever, and, and that will be kind of make or break. Or, or you've got the flip side of that where you've got like a Ben Wheatley who people notice him, but he sort of still stays in the sort of, you know, doing his own thing, but Until then the eventually gets a make too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so they all, this, they, they all sort of sim follow these kind of paths and stuff. So, um, was it Chris Cronin? Yeah, Prince from the Mall and stuff. And say that Sean Hogan, I could see potentially doing some of something similar. So yeah, this is interesting to see one of those directors, another British director, at the other end of the spectrum. Uh, you know, many years later, um, and so as you would expect from a film made by someone with so much experience, it, you know, it, it does what you expect it to do. It, it you know it, it hits all the right right notes it's a bit silly but it, but you kind of know that going in so uh yeah i would say it's well it is worth a watch yeah it's an interesting one for sure and it, um i don't think we've seen anything quite like it for a while and, and it is you know quite willing to kill off a few kids <laughs> with well, say, i think i think in a way i think the film peaks too early with that opening sequence because that's I don't think anything else really matches it um, for the for the intensity. Uh, the um, yeah, so the kid just sort of playing up in the car and then literally trying to throw himself out of it is um, is is a really really well done sequence. And so that 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 ultimately becomes the sort of prologue. That is the prologue to the film. Uh, and oh, they do, and of course they have to do the thing where. Am I right? They do the thing where they go and visit someone in you know. In the hospital, yep. so, so, so yeah, it's, it touches all. It's like Final Destination or something. <laughs> they do all this sort of very familiar stuff. It's it's very conventional, but well, yeah, well, it's worth a watch. It is. It's it's. And I'm sure the crowd at Fright Fest would have had fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. How are you going to score it, Rich? I'm going to give it a. Yeah, I think I think a seven. Yeah, it's borderline six, but I'm going to go seven. I'm going to go a six for this one. So that's a six and a seven for Piper, also known as The Piper. Um, go check it out. Our next film is The Knocking. Three adult siblings go to examine their late parents' house in the middle of an ancient forest. As they explore the property, they bicker whether to sell the place and try to remember what happened the night their parents died. Right, so this is set in uh, Finland. And the film opens... Oh, okay. Yeah, the film opens about 10 years prior to, to the present, where the police, mm. are, uh, the police come to the house. They find um, the mother missing, the father dead, killed with an axe. And the youngest daughter, the, her older brother and sister had already left home, so they weren't part of this at all. 
but the youngest daughter is found in one of the bedrooms inside a cage. And it's like a big perplexing thing, like what the, what the hell happened sort of thing, you know. But it takes all three of them, almost all of those 10 years, to finally settle their parents' estate. And that's where the film starts proper, is, is them sort of finally getting the deeds to the house and everything. Mm-hmm. Going to visit it. Um, it's in the middle of nowhere. As I said, you know, they have to go through a, um, a gate to get into the, the forest. And the youngest daughter, she doesn't really remember much about what had happened that particular night. And of course, the, the other two are, are totally perplexed. We do get flashbacks to what life was like living in this house. Um, their father um, was a bit of an arsehole, <laughs> sort of businessman, away, away a lot. Um, the mother was very much um, like into Wiccan kind of stuff and, you know, all about the, the forest and the the lords and ladies and all that sort of stuff and, the, you know, the, the, the folklore sur- surrounding the place. Um, so there's a lot of tension in the house and it sort of comes to a head when the, um, the older daughter um, gets pregnant and... They, you know, it's, and the, the father's saying, "Right, you've got to have an abortion. Yeah, you, you, you can't, um, you, you can't have the child. Your boyfriend's going to ditch you as soon as he finds out he's he's pregnant." And and I think the inference is that it's the older brother who actually got her pregnant, although it's never actually said. But um, you know, the, the, the way their relationship okay. sort of plays out. But mm-hmm. so so they're in the house and they're trying to sort of figure out what what to do with the place. Um, Two of them want to sell it, the younger one, uh, Matilda, and her brother, Nico. Um, they, they want to sell the place, but um, Maria is the middle one. She doesn't. So, so you know, there's a few arguments and things, and, and eventually stuff starts to happen, and they start to remember what, what had actually happened leading up to that particular day. What The, the, the title of the film comes from... Um, Nico going going into the forest and finding that the trees knock. So so if you knock on the tree, it'll knock back. And it's like, well, that's really really weird, you know. Um, but mm. that comes back right at the end of the film. You know, uh, the the very final part of the film is is that uh, coming back. It's 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 pretty nasty. You know, there are there are some sort of. Um, Nasty moments all the way through. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I must admit, more than I thought it was going to, because I, I kept thinking about this other film we covered a while ago, a Swedish one called Knocking. Yes, which was more about um, this, this one with like mental health issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in her house, wasn't she? In, in a, or yeah. a flat, I should say. Ha- yeah, exactly. And she's sort of worried if if she's actually hearing, you know, is, is what she hearing real, or is it, you know, her dementia sort of coming back and all that sort of stuff. But this this is a bit more straightforward mm-hmm. than that. It did take me a while to to figure out the relationship between the, the, the three um, siblings. Because, as, as I said, because Miko and, and Maria had already left home for part of it, it's mm-hmm. like, well, what, why aren't they around? Why, why don't they know what happened? You know, it, it does take a while for that to sort of uh, figure into it. But it is well made. Um, and there are some, yeah, it's pretty freaky bits and, and some good, good makeup effects along the way. Um, yeah, I, I do recommend this one. 
I didn't get a chance to see it. Uh, yeah, for, so sort of. Uh, this is another. I'm just looking it up. So it's another film from some first-time filmmakers. There's, mm. They don't have a, really many credits at all behind them. Um, do, uh, I, I'm not going to try and pronounce their names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Max Seek. And, oh, sorry, I will try and pronounce yeah, it. Yeah. Um, Max Seek and uh, Junus Pajunen. Um, so like a, 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 a pair of filmmakers. The, the film looks from the trailer to me to have solid production values. It is, yeah. Um, is it? Um, I'm really interested in the fact that it's from Finland. We said we are. It was just co completely coincidental that um, previously, I'm you know, like just a few minutes ago, I was I was mentioning the uh, Finnish film, which was the Twin, uh, yeah. the Finnish film that oh, we yeah, discussed yeah. previously. Um, this 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 definitely does look like something I would enjoy. Um, I'm interested to know: is it in fin Is it in Finnish or is it yes. in English? No, no, it's in Finnish. Oh, it is cool. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that helps. I mean, I always find that helps when when films are sort of, uh, you know, producing their own language. Um, mm -hmm. It helps with the acting for sure. But yeah. So, no, how do you feel the folk horror elements work in this particular film compared to the the, the you know all the films this, we've spoken about so far yeah, have been folk to one extent they are, or another? They are, yeah, and you know, there is definitely something prim primordial about this one. I mean. Um, the, the character Mick, um, excuse me, um, Miko, um, he's he, his job is to do with like um, working out the age of trees mm -hmm. and things like this, you know, and sort of how how ancient they are. And and he, so you know, he he brings a certain element to the film. So going, oh, well, you know, this place is ancient, and all the rest of it. And there's a certain element in the film to do with the rings in a tree. Yes. Um, as as well, so he's able to sort of like be be the, you know, Mister Exposition a little bit to sort of talk about that, um, and there is there's a really weird bit uh, there's there is a mid credit sequence in this one, mm -hmm. which I did catch, um, and there's this sort of idea that there's this almost like a cult, like like a, you know, the, the sort of there's a very there's a tattoo that the mother has. And you see it again at the end of the film, um, mm -hmm. as well with other characters, uh, which is interesting. As if there's this sort of um, conspiracy to, um, you know, keep the forests in in in, in place and things like this, it, which mm -hmm. is an interesting element. It's almost as though they're sort of saying, you know, get ready for the knocking two kind of thing. Uh -huh, <laughs> uh -huh. But but, um, but yeah, no, it worked. It worked really well. So would you say it's quite mainstream horror or is it a bit more, um, you know, uh, indie? I think, well, you know, sort I mean, of or unusual or sort of, you know, well, not, less not, conventional. It's, it's not too unconventional, but, you know, just mm -hmm. just by the fact that it's a non-UK, you know, non-English film, um, mm -hmm. I think does put it into that category. It, it's not like a slasher or anything like that. Uh, it, you know, it's all about atmosphere until you get to the end when then mm -hmm. it starts really, you know, it, it's almost like, well, it, it's gone as far as it can without anything happening. Something's got to happen now, sort of thing. You know what I mean? It's like, and then it sort of builds up pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And this one is coming out, I think, uh, from uh, Blue French releasing okay. the, uh, I'm just, just checking checking the information. It's uh, this, so this one's out on, uh, by the time you're listening to this, it it should be, available uh and um say from 
yeah, Bluefinch film releasing. Uh, so this is this is on VOD now. Cool. Um, yeah, and I'm going to score this one an eight out of ten. So there you go. Go check it out when it's available. Our next film is Good Boy. Christian, a millionaire heir, meets Sigrid, a young student, on a dating app. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do this again because it deserves a bit more sort of quirkiness. If you read this, <laughs> when you know, you'd, you'd think it was a comedy. Christian, yeah, it sounds like a, a rom-com set up. <laughs> a millionaire heir called Christian meets Sigrid on a dating app. They hit it off quickly, but there's only one problem. Christian lives with Frank, a man who dresses up and constantly acts like a dog. Hilarity <laughs> in, in, ensues. Except it doesn't. Oh. Christian... That's, not, that's not the film I wanted it to be. I didn't get a chance to watch this one, but I was hoping it was about killer dog. Hmm. Christian is a cunt. That is my wow. review. That is it. You know, you're watching 90 minutes of Christian being an absolute smarmy, self-satisfied cunt. And that may appeal to some people. It didn't appeal to me. This is, ironically, the most horrific film on the list. Is um, That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, without, without showing anything. You know, right. there's, there's, there's no gore or anything like that going on. It's mm -hmm. just the situation of Christian and Frank and the way Frank behaves and the way Sigrid has to deal with it mm -hmm. um, through to its conclusion. I mean, um, Steve, you know, when, when he saw the trailer, he, he said it reminded him of Tusk. Uh, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he couldn't be with us this evening uh, when we are recording. Um, but he does agree with me. Christian's a cunt, basically. Um, and it, yeah, the this scenario it, it presents and its conclusion is it's on a par with what we see in the more in, in that. Well, the, the more terrifies you, this horrifies you. Mm -hmm. You know the fact that this, you know, this is allowed. You know this in its own way is funny games. It's it's that kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Um, Without showing anything, there's no gore, no violence, hard, or hardly any violence. There is a sort of um, a Guantanamo Bay-style torture sequence, shall we say? Right. Um, so, is it all um, about like controlling behaviour and? Yeah, sort of it's all that attitude. you know the, exactly. So, you know, he he's you know Christian. He, he, as I said, he's he's like bloody um, you know Christian Bale in in um, American Psycho. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's that kind of character. And Sigrid is, you know, she's really nice and everything. She's, which, you know, she sees this guy's like, what the fuck? What's going on? You know, um, but he, he comes up with a, an explanation about how he's helping Frank. You know, he's had issues in the past and he's, you know, it, it's, it's a sort of symbiotic relationship kind of thing. But, um, you know, as the film goes on, you sort of realize that actually, no, um, Christian's just a control freak. And, you know, he, he starts isolating. Uh, Sigrid, you know, um, refusing to give her a phone, refusing to take her home, or you know, all this sort of stuff, and it sort mm -hmm. of builds and builds and builds until we get to a conclusion, and and really, really, that is all I want to say about this film. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so what are you going to score it? Well, 
it's it's incredibly well made and it's incredibly well acted. So again, but, I'm interested to know aesthetically, is it yeah. sort of mainstream slick or is it quite indie? Yeah. No, no, it's it's pretty mainstream slick. Pretty slick. Yeah. Okay. Um but it's it's just yeah, it's just what it's dealing with. And and either you'll either you'll get it or you you know don't. I'm I'm not sure if I totally get it. Mm-hmm. But I, I was kind of horrified with where it ends up, I have to say. You know, so yeah, the as I said, you know, the more that was a terrifying film, this is a horrifying film. Uh, the difference, you know, there's a slight difference there. Anyway, overall, I have to I, I have to give it a seven. I think. Okay. Yeah. So it's a That's very a unusual um, sort of mixed recommendation kind of it is, It is, because I, I, I recognise the fact that, you know, it, it's my own knee-jerk reaction to, to what's here. Um, that doesn't make it a bad film. You know, the fact that I am kind of repulsed by it, you know, it's it's still a well-made, well-produced film, and I'm sure pe- you know there are going to be people who dig it. I'm mm-hmm. sure, um, but yeah, that the the final scene in the in the star site, no, <laughs> literally just no. <laughs> you know, find find me something else to watch. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. That's a seven out of ten with a sort of very strange recommendation i guess yeah go, go into it with with warning i think is, mm-hmm. is all i can say so there you go next up is here for blood when his girlfriend phoebe is swamped with college exams tom o'bannon a rowdy pro wrestler struggling to make ends meet agrees to fill in as a last minute replacement for her paying babysitting job Tom arrives at an isolated family home where he meets the precocious 10-year-old Grace. What starts off as a quiet night of pizza and video games quickly spirals into bloody violent chaos. Right then. I thoroughly enjoyed this. This is Something a bit more light-hearted, this one. It's it's more light-hearted. I mean, what we've got here with these five films that we've been discussing tonight is is a decent sort of cross-section of different kinds of of horror you know so we've had terrifying we've had horrifying we've had something in between um this is horror for laughs or not even for laughs just for pure enjoyment you know um and i I think this works really well i I thoroughly thoroughly enjoy this it's got a a really nasty setup at the beginning um you know, we, we get this prologue with, the, with these two girls being murdered, and there's something about the killer, the way the killer stabs them is in itself quite brutal. You know, you really, you can really see him put an effort in between, you know, behind the knife as he sort of thrusts it into them, it, which again, you just don't see. You know, it's usually sort of slash, 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 but this guy is like really sort of twisting the hip and sort of getting it in there, which I thought was. Um, you know, it, it it was brutal, even though you're not really sort of seeing anything as such. It's just his body language is great. Um, our hero's great, Tom O'Bannon. Absolutely loved him. Um, his girlfriend's fun, and and the little girl. I thought I thought she was um, you know quite game all the way through. Uh, there's a really poignant bit where she's sort of talking about her dad dying, uh, which, which she carried really well. 
and and the um you know the effects are quite full on um we've had a couple of examples we're going to have another example of a throat slashing later on in the program um but i thought the you know that the um prosthetics and everything were, were great for this i thought it worked really well how did you find this one yeah i, I liked it yeah it's it's going for a it's very different kind of thing so this is um uh playing to uh combining uh like heavy metal music and wrestling mm -hmm. So this is a very sort of a macho horror movie, uh, and you know we've got this kind of meat-headed hero. Uh, they keep they keep having these lines where it's like to just sort of highlight that he's a bit dumb. He's very nice, you know, you like yeah. him and this yeah. stuff. And but he's um, every now and again he'll say something, something and you just like, we're, being we're being attacked by a, a cult of sex perverts. Like, yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, maybe maybe they're not maybe they're not after all kind of things, yeah. but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he he was good. Um, I don't know if he. I mean, he's very built. He's built for the role. I mean, yeah. he's. Uh, I was trying to look up to see whether he was like a real wrestler or anything. But um, for, as far as I can tell, he's not. He's he's a Canadian, uh, you know, Canadian actor who's appeared as the character Albert Wesker in oh, at least no. three Resident Evil movies. Yeah, Resident Evil, yeah. And and because uh, uh, this is a Canadian film, I believe, and yeah, so he's he's it's. It's that kind of Bruce Campbell horror, as as I would say. Yes, that's a good, that's a good it's, it's very it was humorous. We, and... yeah, it was one we covered. The names just escaped me. Which had Johnny Knoxville in it. That's one of the ones that I was going to mention that it, that yeah. came to mind. The scenario and and some of the elements to it do, do are uh, would put this well with We Summon the Darkness. Yeah, uh, and there, there was another the... one as well about the pizza delivery girl, and that had. Um... Oh, the guy from Sliders in it. Now, uh, I haven't seen it, but I think you're referring to Satanic Panic. I am Satanic Panic, uh, yeah. which I haven't seen. Um, but the film that came to mind, which we have seen, I think we discussed it on the show, mm. is McGee's The Babysitter. Yes, yes. I think there's it a lot of similarities that, with that, that or at least that. the sort of babysitter element. Although in that case, the babysitter was the antagonist. Um, but there was, as you say, there's that satanic element. Um, there's stuff going on in the house. Uh, and uh, there's some nice twists in the tale as well. I, mm. I thought that worked really well, and the, the humour that comes out of that. Um, but the, there's a great. Uh, I did write it down. It's, it's like, um, oh yeah, uh, everybody grab a knife. You too, kiddo. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, um, they're like, no, we can't give her a knife. And then she's, and the little girl's like holding the knife, and she's like, oh, no. and the, and one of the other characters is like saying, okay, well, if you do need to stab someone, you just do it like. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's just like a little aside sort of quiet joke but it, it worked really well there's a lot there's a there's a lot of jokes in it some of them are say really in your face some of them are a bit more quiet and subtle um some of it comes out of the character interactions there's a lot of um because of the wrestling there's no actual apart from introducing the main character as a wrestler hmm. there's no reason that the people he should happen to encounter are built as yeah. wrestlers and have yeah. wrestling fights they never really address that but essentially yeah. <laughs> essentially the, the he ends up in in like these kind of wrestling matches hmm. with with some with uh, at least cultists, one of one or two yeah. of the cultists yeah so it's just it's just it's just a funny it's just a weird funny thing it's there's no logic to it you just got to go with it but um it is fun makes them for some uh, say a couple of quite good action sequences the um you've mentioned sort of the sort of practical gore and stuff that's in the film you know, it's um, it's very reminded me of uh, Mike Mendez films like um, like The Convent 
Um, mm-hmm. So you've got like, um, you know, limbs being hacked off and, you know, blood spurting everywhere, that kind of stuff. You know, sort of very uh, stuff like Psycho Gorman as well does the same kind yeah. of thing. That's yeah. sort of practical. I'm very self-conscious of, you know, very aware that, you know, that it's silly, but also quite repulsive at the same time. So um, we've got like a like a little puppet head. Um, mm-hmm. Played by D. Snyder. And, yeah, which because I, I, D. Snyder's name appears on the opening. And I, and I got to the end credits and I was like, I did not see him. Where was he? I thought he was the main thing. killer. You, you know, the one right. yeah, you yeah. see right at the beginning. I thought, because he's got the sort of long blonde curly hair. And I thought, ah, that mm. must be him. But obviously you don't see his face. So, no. yeah. Um, well, they got do... the, because um, all the, yeah, the, like you're saying, the, the, um, the members of the cult mm. all wear these masks. So you, and with, well, not all of them. I say some of them don't. Um, but uh, the main killers and that do wear these masks and um, they never really take them off. There's one of them, like the one, one of the main uh, antagonists wearing the mask. You never see his face, I don't think. Yeah, and, that's right. Um, the, the one with the bare chest. Yeah. So the, the one, they, they the one I thought was Snyder. <laughs> well, they introduced him as kind of a, um, I kind of was reminded like of like 90s, 90s action movie psychos mm. in like, um, uh, you know, sort of a character like, I think Darren Shalabi played one yeah, yeah. Um, in um, like Blood Moon or something, where where you know the very sort of muscular serial killer kind of right. characters, or or um, the one, what's the one um, undefeatable oh, from, uh, Cobra. <laughs> there's like there's all sort there's loads of them where they, where they've got these very sort of, sort of say it was very much a thing in the right. sort so of like just, these chiseled wrestler kind of or, or very sort of physical. Yeah. Um, Guys playing these kind of serial killer characters, and and it's quite a, in a in quite a campy way and stuff. So the, and this and this just looks quite campy, <laughs> aside from from the guy there. But but yeah, it's quite merciless. Um, but uh, yeah, and there, there was the the guy sort of leading the cult because um, initially again I thought that might really be good. D. Snyder, and then it was like no, yeah. it's 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 definitely not, <laughs> um, yeah. which would become apparent why that why that's not. But it's uh, it's not him. Well, but, he, uh, he gets a, he gets a great introduction. Because it's because it, it does that thing of like just starting with his feet, mm-hmm. you know. The, the camera sort of pans around from a couple of characters and it goes down. And it just starts at his feet and then slowly comes up, you know, sort of showing him. But again, like the guy in the Moor, he is able to act with his eyes because because he's wearing a mask for a lot of it. When we first see him, he, he just sort of turns his head. And just with his eyes, he's got this sort of look of disdain on his face, like because his, his minions have failed him, and he's mm-hmm. like, "You failed again," kind of thing. Yes. And and, and it's all conveyed with his eyes because you know obviously he's, he's wearing this mask, and I, I, I thought that was absolutely great, R- really well done. Yeah, the um, guy, the the killer introduced at the start of the film, I think he is actually a wrestler, and um, so there there are wrestlers in the film, so I just don't think the main main guy himself is a wrestler so the wrestling is running through it i mean there's a scene that takes place in a wrestling ring at, at the start of the film as well and stuff so it's it's not just that, that, that like he's a fan of wrestling whatever the main character is supposed to be uh, a struggling wrestler he's he's he's, yeah. he's struggling to be a pro wrestler basically he is pro but he's he's he's, he's barely you know he's he's, looking, he's still trying to get signed and stuff um, and he's having a hard time with it and getting a bit fed up um but the uh yeah, so and the other characters are quite good because obviously the, his girlfriend and that they'll come in. They're they're much smarter than he is, which mm. is good. So you got that kind of you know, he's the he's the sort of 
<laughs> he he seems too old for her. I gotta be, be honest. He seems too old. Too old. Too old and too nice, basically. I think is what he. But is. she's quite sort of. Um, uh, she's the smarter one in the situation and working out. Yeah, it's good. It's a good fun, good fun film. Definitely, you know, if you like. I mean, there's a little bit of the Lost Boys in there as well. I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and if you say if you're in and Portal uh, recently I watched a short film called Portal to Hell with Roddy Piper and oh, although right. he's a wrestler and he's the main character in it the film doesn't have any wrestling but it does have uh, a Portal to Hell which um, there's 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 an element of that in here and stuff as well so yeah it's, it's well worth a watch absolutely totally enjoyed this one how are you going to score it? Uh, another 7 from me for this one yeah this is definitely a 7 two sevens for Here for Blood we recommend you go check it out Okay, next up are two documentaries. Uh, we've got Enter the Clones of Bruce, which uh, dives into the Bruce Lee exploitation craze, also known as Bruce Bloitation. Uh, then we have Mancunian Man. I've mispronounced it at the top of the, uh, the episode. Um, this is about the, the legendary life of Cri- Cliff Twemlow, or Twemlow, a guy I'd never heard of, but when watching the video, the uh, the, the documentary rich he does look very familiar i don't know if you, okay. you're the same no but... I, I hadn't i hadn't i was completely unaware of him and i, I didn't recognize him at all um but uh, yeah that was quite interesting i i did um I, i'm not sure the uh i thought this is interesting because you know fright fest is known as a horror film festival hmm. but these films these two documentaries have no connections to horror basically at all they do, um, they do they, sort of delve into a bit of martial arts every now and then. Yeah, there's a little tan. Like the witch and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but, so yeah. But, but yeah. I think the idea of a bit like Etheria, you know, it's one of those mm-hmm. things where they, they're known mainly for horror, but they try and delve into other areas as well and, and you know, even tangentially. So, yes, you've got a little with these Bruce exploitation movies, there was some, you know, there were some that sort of delved into um, horror situation, you know, kind of horror movie kind of situations. Uh, and also, um, say, Cliff Twemlow, some of his projects uh, incorporate horror. But I would, these are just very, very entertaining fil- documentaries about oh, films God. and filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. Well, for, I mean, you know, The Clones of Bruce, for one, um, you know, I, I was aware of Bruce Boitation. I, I must admit, I'd kind of avoided a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but the, the interesting thing here is that even 50 years after his death, which, you know, because Edge of the Dragon is now 50 years old, so Bruce died the year before it was released, I believe. Um, we're still talking about him. You know, he, he's he's still a cultural phenomenon. A phenomenon. Um, you know, even though he only actually made four films, you know, four completed films for uh, Golden Harvest and... Um, and, and Warner Brothers with, with Enter the Dragon. Which um, is the pre, uh, sort of prefer, prelude or pre, prologue yeah, yeah. to the Enter the Clones documentary is that the the, ty- the the actual credits kick in about 15 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes into the film yeah. because it's all, it up it's all a setup of talking about Bruce Lee and, and you know where things ended up there and how it, how that situation came to be of event major and the, the journey from essentially recording footage of his funeral and trying to turn that into a movie or, or mm. incorporate that into a film to then having all these additional sort of vari- yeah. variations happening in a, in a unique and unmatched way. Yeah. 
So we, we have Bruce Le or Bruce Le, Le uh, Bruce Lowe, um, we, uh, Dragon Lee. Um, can't remember who the other one was now. And the film uh, delves into all their stories, doesn't yeah, it? It's like what, yeah, exactly. like it's how, almost how like chapters. Got, yeah, how how they got caught up in it, you know, how how they got found, the sort of films they made, you know, um, it was really really interesting. I yeah, I think if uh, anybody who likes clips. things like um, Iron, Iron Fists and Kung Fu uh, Kicks, I think it was called, that was a really good documentary that was on um, uh, yep. uh, Netflix. I think you can find it on Netflix and stuff. But the uh, also the the stuff made by the guys who did like Electric Boogaloo and stuff like that, mm -hmm. this definitely fits alongside them. I mean, this is, I love these, all these kind of documentaries, I absolutely love them. Uh, mm. th thankfully, they're really well made and, and they, bring you know got really great facts really great stories uh, just really well put together yeah. this one kind of uh this one involves michael worth i thought he directed it but yeah but he but he hadn't he's a producer on it uh, and he's kind of been uh, developing this project the blue exploitation bible and I, I, I don't know if the book is out yet but he says essentially he's been trying to collate all this information and um posters and stuff and actually get copies of the, some of these old Bruce Portation films and remaster them. That's mm. got, you know, he's best known uh, as a as a martial arts action star uh, from the '90s, but you know, in the last several years, he's really sort of parlayed his his, his interests into into Bruce Portation. Um, and there's some other people who are interviewed in the film who've written books and stuff. Which um, there's like there's a French guy. They I don't know if, if, yeah, if his yeah. books. Yeah, that, that was interesting. In the, the whole thing about this, you know, the um, the, the French interest in martial arts you know mm. and, and how it took off you know the whole whole bruce lee thing took off in france that's um, yeah you know ne never knew that at all really it's, it's very interesting to see no it's yeah it's fantastic it's it's really really good stuff um so all the uh, it's also interesting to see these um actors and how they feel about mm. their roles in it i mean there's one guy who's who's very much is, embraces it and there's another guy who's sort of a bit more he accepts yeah. that he did it, but he's kind of almost like try feels like he has to make peace with it. Yeah. Um, so he's almost like a pay of penance. Like uh, so, they they're a very different collection of characters. And what it is is you know it moves around different parts of uh, Asia, basically. That you know the stories start yeah. in you know one part. Of, you know, so it just sort of shows that they were you know they were trying to emulate this trend or this situation you know to emulate bruce lee all over the all over asia and all over the world you know ultimately i mean e even to the point where i mean at one point jackie chan himself was um you know they, they were trying to push him as, as a as a bruce lee mm. sort of kind of kind of actor you know because uh, yeah. he did um was it new fists of fury new fists of fury too yeah um, and even into the mainstream stuff when yeah. when he went to america they tried to they even hooked him up with, you know, mm. Robert Klaus, and they tried to put That's him right, in a, yeah. a Bruce yeah, exactly. kind of situation. Actually, they did it yeah, a couple that, of times. That was Creek Brawl, wasn't it? That was the Battle Creek Brawl. Robert Klaus one. Yes, and then he did um, with, uh, The Protector with James Glickenhaus, Glick and, and yeah. which then, in its own way, although it was, a, you know, not very well received and not, not well liked and Jackie wasn't keen on it, that mm. ultimately, the experience of that led to... Um, Police story, oh, and, oh, yeah. well, police story, rumbling box, all of that stuff kind of came out of that experience. Mm. So he kind of went yeah. on that journey. As a kind of an aside, but he kind of went on that journey that ultimately ended up with the films that 
Jackie became most famous for his sort of contemporary stunt film, um, films and stuff. But yeah, the this this these are a really interesting bunch of stories. Um, really great. Any martial arts film fan is gonna you oh, know have a feel, absolutely adore this. Um, it's another great entry in the genre, as is uh, the Mancunian Man. Both of these are um, have been picked up again by uh, Severin, who we mentioned earlier. So um, the um, so, Mancunian Man is is a very different kind of kettle of fish because this is like on on my do on our doorstep, and I just had no idea about this I'd guy. Never heard of like, well, I've never heard of him. Yeah. Well, especially as his um his work his films are you know DTV kind of origin. Story they, they are, yeah, yes. exactly. You know, shot on literally shot on video kind of films, hmm. um, but he, he, never, he never got proper sort of distribution, did he? I think that was the the, the killer. Yeah, he, he had issues with one of his producers basically using the production money to pay off all his debts and everything like yeah. this, so, which um, led, led to some issues. But he, you know, he was. A very driven person, you know. He had he had loads of sort of self belief in what he was doing. He he started off as a, um, a well, not a composer, but a songwriter, and, and actually had some success getting um, sort of songs, to, uh, doing sort of theme tunes to TV shows and stuff for for ITV. Um, and it's those royalties that funded his yeah. filmmaking activities to a certain extent. Then then you know when when the Manchester scene. Kicked off. He, he he was a bouncer at one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest clubs and all, all this sort of stuff. And it all fed into, you know, his first script. And what was it? Um, Tuxedo Warrior was was the book he wrote, wasn't it? Yeah. So he wrote he wrote and the, and the book and the Pike, which was about a giant, yeah, yeah. about a giant killer Pike, um, right. which you can get, which have been um, uh, republished. So oh. they are you can order those books. They're um, on uh, via like Amazon and stuff. So yeah, that's. I mean, so the first thing going going in, I, the title didn't mean anything. I was a bit put off because it's a two-hour documentary, mm -hmm. but yeah. it ju I just it just blew by. You know, it's like I want. There was so much to this guy's story. There's so yeah. much to cover. Um, as you say, just setting it up and him. You know, the fact that he was this composer, or, you know, writer, and he was um, composer and writer and whatever, which sort of, and then after that you know it goes into the filmmaking stuff it's like already you know that, that's so fascinating yeah. all that older stuff and then you can't kind of combine that with you know he, oh, he writes these books and then he and then the, the book got optioned and then there was a film made but the film was like completely different yeah to totally that was the tuxedo warrior film yeah. and then he kind of got the bug and wanted a bit like um a bit like jackie chan you know jackie chan get getting involved in doing one particular project that you know not working out at all but from that a kind of seed grows and he kind of went his own path. So then he made the film uh, GBH, or I, I don't. Although was GBH made before Tuxedo Warrior? I'm not sure because the, the IMDb is kind of Tuxedo Warrior '84 and GBH '83. So right. I've got a feeling in the documentary the timeline was the other way Tuxedo around. Tuxedo Warrior yeah. first, but I'm, so I might be getting a bit confused here. That might not have been the case. He might have always wanted Maybe to. Maybe just when they got produced, when it got distributed. Yeah, it could be as well. Yeah, it could be just when it came out. So the um. But yeah, all these so like GBH was a, a made on a shot on video feature gangster movie, which they they yeah. sort of uh, highlight in the film as oh, this was like a pro the the pr pr uh, progenitor or whatever of of you know foot soldier and all that that we've got yeah, now. Yeah. Um, I found uh, a copy on YouTube, 
so I do want to check it out at some point. I don't know what the quality is, you know, you yeah. know the standard, but uh, I definitely think that because that's that's the thing with his films is a lot of them never got completed. So yeah. there, there's some re- all the stories that they go as they go through the films are really fascinating, but they all end a lot. You know, they all basically end the same way with running out of funding or, or whatever, and you know things getting shut down, and and um, so a lot of these films aren't available. And what's what's even more fascinating is that some of them feature some you know rather well-known people like Charles Gray. And that that just made it even more surprising to me that I hadn't heard of them because it just seems so so obscure. But yet, you know, he's he's not, you know, he wasn't. He was still, despite all the, you know, working in this really really low budget sort of realm, yeah. um, and sort of paving his own path, independent filmmaking and everything. They still manage because of his personality and you know his way, you know, his way of building connections and stuff. Yeah, he was able to one, you know rally these people around him you know this this sort of band of brothers kind of thing to make these films of this you know very uh, uh regular crew and stuff that he would work with and uh and also say managed to you know in interest in investors and you know managed to get funding for um you know paying you know set proper big set designers and yeah. and, and, and and getting them um, say in, a, in some cases you know known actors and stuff involved so there's a, this is like a, 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 a this is fa- this is fantastic because you know that's yeah. we see so much of you know we feel like we've seen it all almost and then you just realize <laughs> there's just so much you know, there's, 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 the whole cottage industry from the eighties that we never knew about yeah, yeah absolutely um, so um, yeah uh, I feel ashamed almost that I, that I hadn't heard of it yeah. but it, but it's also quite exciting because you realize you know there is always more to learn there's always more to discover. He looks like somebody from um, from Coronation Street. I'm sure of it. You know, I think he. Was, I think he even appeared in Coronation Street or something. Right. <laughs> or was he? Or no, had something to do with it? Yeah, so, like, but yeah, yeah, he is kind of one of those guys. When when you actually sort of see clips of the films and stuff, you know, and him acting in it, he does mm. have a real proper sort of screen presence. You know what I mean? It, if if only he'd been born like ten years later, I, I reckon he would have really sort of um, you know taken off. I think it would have been great, um, but unfortunately, met you know met, met the wrong producers at the time. I think, and uh, it, it did sort of like you know put a big stumbling block on his career. Even though he did sort of persevere and keep going and 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 keep people in, you know enthused in what he was doing. Um, but yeah, uh, an interesting one for sure. And the bit I did like as well was um, that bit when they end up in Grenada, mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah, which which in itself was interesting, but then you know they, they happen to be there when when America decides to invade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy. As soon as I saw the name of in, in Grenada, I was like Grenada. What Heartbreak Ridge? <laughs> you know, so here we go. <laughs> well, they got all these. That's that's the thing. It's like this is these are these mad filmmaking stories mm. that you know you just couldn't make them up kind of thing it's just that it, it reminds me of like a, it's like a you know he, you know like the film edward that tim burton yeah, made about oh, edward yeah. D. Wood jr it's that kind of thing you can yeah. you, th- these are all those similar kinds of you know on the fly you know super character you know you know I was actually wondering, super yeah. charismatic sort of you know I, I characters was actually wondering like as well. i was actually wondering when, when i started mm. watching it i'm thinking is this actually real 
you know. Oh is yeah, it like it's been mockumentary. Or, or, is, is, it, is it a mockumentary? Is, it, is this Spinal Tap for for the film yeah, yeah. industry? Because it was that good, you know. It's like yeah, it's like have they, have they pulled one over my eyes? But no, yeah, this is this is a real guy, re real series of films that he you know he he made or tried to make. Um, well, that would have been a fun idea. I mean, that that sort of, I mean, and that has stuff like that has been done well, in the, the past. Yeah, the routes so and do, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of filmmaking, there's been a few like um, ones that have like, oh, you know, this is a person trying to be an action star. Or this is a movie. There. Oh, and then we're going to do an on-set visit and all that sort of stuff. True. And uh, yeah, people have done that, and they, they could have done that. And if if and if um, and the filmmaker of this is. Uh, uh, Jake uh, Jake West, who's who's got very experienced, and he could have that, he could do that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's just the, the but the fact that it's all real <laughs> just yeah, makes it even. I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I reckon if you did, you know, if you did do a a mockumentary version, I I, I doubt it would be as good as, as the real thing. I don't think it, you know the stories would be as good. But there you go. Yeah, um, interesting. You know, just little things like when they were making that film, and I think it was Grenada or Barbados, mm -hmm. and end up having to do pickup shots in England, and it was so long after. Oh yeah, yeah. They shot it, and they shot it in like a field what, or something, which didn't. All, which all the foliage about, and stuff doesn't matter yeah. or anything. But there, there was a, an actress in it, and they needed to do some extra scenes. And by the time they did the extra scenes, they'd forgotten that her character was meant to be Russian. Oh, that's a great. <laughs> and she that's recorded great it. Did it all in English. They, oh, uh, maybe she's a double agent or something. <laughs> yes. And, so and the, the the other thing that carries it through is that you know everyone speaks so highly of. Oh yeah. Cliff Twemlow. You know that's it's 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 not just that he was really driven and stuff, but uh, you know, and he did have some you know there were some negative sort of elements yeah, to yeah. to his character and stuff, but um, not many, and and everyone just sort of everyone adores him clearly. And yeah. you know he he really struggled, and it, you know he obviously um, he ended up uh, uh, almost quite destitute, really, and that. But he was kind of always trying. He was one of those guys who was always looking yeah. for the next, looking for the next project and stuff. So even though wallow, he, even though yeah, he's not going to wallow in pity or anything like that, he's gonna no. He was a bit selfish, way. and he kind of looked only at his own. You know, so he didn't really look out for um, everyone. Although he, you know, he looked after. The people who work with him but at the same time he kind of he did he did he did sort of um let them down again so for example the incompleted movies and whatever mm. you know and certain people not getting paid and things like that you know so but because people loved him so much they kind of they just yeah. let, let that let that slide he was just he was just there was a bit of he was not malicious yeah. about it <laughs> there was a bit of like time heals all wounds approach to it wasn't as mm -hmm. ah it's mm -hmm. a long time ago you know it's fine yeah we worked for well, especially the stuff where they talk about oh he you know everyone's really uh, even now you speak to someone they were doing some of the interviews and they're clearly upset with like one of the directors mm. and then they say yeah and then from because something that they accuse them that he did of doing but then so everything really got set out and then they have to work with this guy again or this guy comes back yeah, on board again that's right yeah <laughs> but but they do it because of Cliff. <laughs> mm. Anyway, okay, so that's two documentaries, Rich. How are we going to score them? First up is Clones of Bruce. I'm going to give both of them nines, mm -hmm. I think. Actually, no, oh, no, no, I'm going to rescind that. I'm going to give Clones an eight, and I'm going to give um, Man Mancunia Man a nine. Okay, well, I'm giving both an eight. Really, really mm -hmm. enjoyable documentaries. Um, we do recommend you go check them out.
our short shot this week is Home Invasion. A young woman having a quiet nap in front of the TV is rudely awakened by two burglars and must do her best not to be discovered. Um, this is a, a good sort of bait and switch one, Rich. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got a great setup. It's, it's spoiled a little bit if you see the sort of teaser poster, I think, because it sort of ends up giving you a bit of expectation. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. But other than that, um, I, I was totally on board with this. You know, um, this woman wakes up, so she can hear people outside. We see torchlight coming through the window and stuff like that. And they, you know, these people manage to get in, and she has to go and hide. Um, there's a horrible bit with a piece of glass, which is great. You know, it's one of those great horrible moments. Um, and and then we get, you know, an awesome sort of build-up and finale. I, I thought this worked really, really well. Yeah, it's a very simple premise, and you could sort of it. It could almost easily be dismissed as almost 15 minutes of people skulking around in the dark. But at the same time, it's the way it's done. It's really atmospheric, quite tense, and there are, say, surprises. Yes, the po- the poster images and stuff to spoil it just a tad. Um, the um, the film's set on Halloween night. Uh, there's some night of the Living Dead footage that plays on the TV and sort of to set set things up. And um, yeah, the young woman in peril kind of situation as the as the burglars uh, come come in. What I like about it is that not only is the twist in the tale sort of really well handled and you know developed from from that point when when that happens, which is quite about quite far into the film actually. It's probably about halfway yeah. over halfway through before you know sort of things amp up. I just think it's really cleverly put together. And when you got, I've watched it a couple of times. And when when you watch it again, you can see how they peppered the film with clues. Okay, uh, you know even think yeah the um. Even the you know the idea of the Halloween night and 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 the film playing on the telly, they're subtle indicators of something that's going to happen. Uh, and you know there's certain things that people say that then are kind of brought back. Uh, and you know sort of um, yeah. So I think as which is uh, something I always appreciate when which um, uh we when we talk about the um the throwback there's a there's yeah. there's, there's definite elements of that there as well the um so there's a this is from uh, liam banks who's a midland-based filmmaker we covered his uh film uh, the river previously oh yeah which, didn't like that one this which, much yeah no i know you you and steve weren't that weren't that keen i i quite rather enjoyed it but i think yeah i think this is he's done quite a few with with his team with the uh, super freak media um, I have I've not watched more than a, two or three of them, um, but this one really stood out to me. I thought you know it, yeah, it, it works really, really worked well. worked really really well. Um, the 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 less is more kind of approach works to a great extent, and there's some really nice um, uh, makeup and prosthetics work uh, in in there as well. Um, there's on the on this, this is on YouTube and on the YouTube link there's a link to a, a special VHS version which is on an an unlisted link which i checked out which has got a slightly different opening title set and it's got like the tracking issues and 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 stuff like that they that they add in um and the the whole film is sort of rougher looking by by design in that sort of machete-ish sort of way so i I wouldn't grain tone things like that yeah i wouldn't say that it's the better way to see it but it was interesting to see an alternate 
sort of take on it. But really, it's uh, watch the high. Definitely, the, the the version they've released is the is the, is definitely the right one that you should watch. It's the high definition yeah. one. The other one's more of a curiosity um, to sort of see a slightly different ver slightly different version. But um, yeah, definitely yeah. worth seeing. We we you know we've covered a lot of films about you know, female protagonists stuck in a single location, having to sort of, you know, escape or hide from various people. There is the C uh, for me is the one that sort of comes to mind mm -hmm. uh, specifically. Um, there's also the, um, what was it called? Couples Retreat, I think it was called. They go to this um, house for like the weekend and it's all automated and stuff and there's some weird shit going on um, oh okay okay yeah yeah anyway, I can't remember, so yeah but yes but there's all that sort of stuff uh, and and i thought this holds its own really well you know that the, the the opening bit of her trying to sort of find out then she gets injured and you know leaves a blood trail and it's like well is are they going to see the blood you know or is she going to get away with it and all this it, it, it works really really well um yeah i really enjoyed it I think so. so it's not one of the films that shows as part of any of the Fright Fest lineups, no, but, but I thought in, it was in, yeah, it definitely in sort of would, is in keeping with with that kind of a setting. And I think if it had played, um, they they actually play a lot of short films at Fright Fest. There's three yeah. three showcases, and and uh, I'm not sure if any of uh, Liam Mag's other films have played there, but I definitely see you know him if if he hasn't, I can definitely see him having a place there, and you know potentially. Mm -hmm getting more notice in that way, although his YouTube channel seems to be doing quite well for itself on its own. <laughs> yeah, we don't score the shorts, but we do recommend you check them out, and you'll find the link to this in the footnotes below. Go check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is Darklands. Fraser Turek is a newspaper reporter lured into a mire of pagan rituals and human sacrifice. So this fits into the sort of folk horror uh, theme of this episode, Rich. Um, you know, like, like our, the bulk of our main uh, feature reviews. Uh, this is fits in. Not planned. Episode. That wasn't that wasn't by design, by the way. It was, it just was, kind it of was a nice. It was a nice coinky dink. Yeah. This is very much. Um, sort of like the urban version of the Wicker Man, isn't it? That's, that's mm. basically what we've got here. Except um, we've got a much more malevolent um, antagonist than, than in that. Um, you know, we, we, we got the sort of pagan roots again, you know, sort of following these, these sort of rituals. Uh, we've got Craig Fairbrass as our hero, um, Fraser, a yeah, a quite fresh-faced Craig Fairbrass, it has to be said. It, you know, it is it is interesting to sort of remind yourself that yeah, he was young once, yeah, and not quite as cragged as it as, as he tends to appear these days. Um, but no, he was quite had... the pin-up, you know, back yeah, in the, was. back yeah. in the day. And you know, when he was making, you know, uh, there was a point, you know, f I think it was a few years before this, but he was in Hollywood doing Cliffhanger, Cliffhanger with Sylvester yeah. Stallone, and uh, and doing a lot of. Say British thrillers. Liz Hurley as well. Yeah, um, Beyond yeah. Bed wasn't it Beyond Bedlam? Beyond that Bedlam, that was it. Yeah, yeah. You know, with uh, Keith Allen as well. So and and he then he gone on to do other stuff like Proteus and whatever. He was quite and in in America as well. You know, we've covered um, films that he did 
like um, Terminal Force with Bridget, Bridget Nielsen. He appeared yeah, in that. And, uh, and that was quite yeah, a his... role for him in that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like um, had... Yes, it was. Yeah. The um, so yeah, he's he's become kind of synonymous with like gangsters and hard gangsters, men and stuff. Yeah. But he was kind of more of a <clears throat> more of a diverse staple of of British cinema. And, yeah. and and you know and, and international cinema as well and this one is kind of sort of slap bang in the middle of that period yeah and it's a good role as well so uh, fraser mm. troik as i said he, you know he's a newspaper reporter um you know and he he's given this uh assignment to look into um sort of graffiti and, and desecration of the local church um and then he meets this young woman who tells him about her brother who supposedly had an accident at the local steel mill, um, but she doesn't believe it was true. So he starts digging into that as well. And, and he starts sort of finding um, elements of a story, sort of threads of a story linking to a local politician. Um, it is really well done, I thought. It, it has a sort of particular sort of um, look to it. Which I suppose is sort of typical of sort of British thrillers at the time. There, there are some good production value out of the uh, the steel mill as well. When you when you see that giant bucket of molten, yeah, that's crazy. Thing, that was that was brilliant. That was, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's 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 a good story. You know, he he's he's not sort of um, some sort of invincible hero. You know, he gets knocked about a bit, um, gets a shag a couple of women, that sort of thing. Um, but it's 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 well done. It's what it's well put together. And and it sort of builds to to a, you know a satisfying conclusion. It's it's, it's you know it, it's one of those films where you sort of you're looking at the clock, going he hasn't got long to actually get out of this. <laughs> you know, well, how's he going to get out of it? <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, yeah, all, all really good. Um, yeah, had you seen this one before? I hadn't come across this one before, and I, I, I was you know I thought. I was, I was getting confused with this and Beyond Bedlam, I must admit, mm -hmm. as, as well. But no, I hadn't, I hadn't actually heard of this one before. Um, I I saw it back in when it came out around, 19, say, 1996, um, which seems to be kind of a, an important year for my film viewing because uh, we've, we've, we've watched quite a few throwbacks from 1996, including last week's, which I, which I think was 96 as well. Um, I, I think I only ever saw it like once, maybe twice back then. But it really left an impression on me, and that's why I've all, I've I've all I've long wanted to go back and see it, and it's uh, it's on Shudder now because I think it was unavailable for quite a long time. Um, it's made by Julian Richards, whose film The Last Horror Movie I saw at Fright Fest oh, yeah. on the one and only time I went, which I think was two thousand three, or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Um, that that connection, I think I'm not sure if that's coincidence or was a subconscious reason that I picked this. You know, proposed that we do this film. We've, but we've covered yeah, one of his other films, actually. Uh, we, we, we did Reborn. Reborn, yeah. Yeah, that's good. one of his latest yeah. ones. Um, yeah. Very different, more mainstream sort of B American B horror. That one. Um, good, whereas it's these good. ones, yeah, we did enjoy it. Um, but these, what he was quite some of his films, which I haven't seen all of them, um, but some of his films sort of like really had kind of a distinctive, if kind of derivative, bit like what we were talking about earlier with, um, like. Um, a couple of uh, like Sean Hogan's film and stuff earlier. There's there's things you can see that are related to other things that have come before quite yeah. explicitly, but they've also got like, there's something there of their own. Like um, say um, Darklands is very um, 
I would say it's like the Wicker Man with a dash of angel heart, but mm -hmm. set in Swansea. And the the last horror movie was very much um, a Henry portrait of a serial killer variation. But right. what, I, what I think what, what lingered for me about this one is uh, the ending. You know, it's got it's it's got it kind of it's a horror movie, but really it's more of a, a straight conspiracy thriller. Yeah. Until the until the ending, uh, um, it, so it yeah, because there's fantastic... no sort of supernatural element to this, is there? It, exactly. It, you know... Well, that's what the thing I was going to say. There's no super supernatural elements because there in, is that in sort of su the supernatural belief, or, yes. or you know this, this um, that which is at the heart of it. But, the, yeah. but there's no, no actual... confirmation. No, exactly. Yeah. There's no. They, they don't. There's no. You know, appearance of a demon or you know anything or any glowing mm. eyes or or anything that anything literally that would indicate that they're in the right or you know yeah. in any sense of the that there's a truth to mm. it. It's just they believe in the which is great. I think that that works really well and and sort of plays into both the horror and sort of um, uh, conspiracy thriller sort of genres. So you got. No confirmation of the validity of their beliefs. They don't summon anything, you know, visible or anything. The um, it's all done very subtly. Um, the this it's it's before I get into some other stuff. I, I say I like it. I think it, I'm looking at the. I think the it's got some like you viewer reviews on Shudder on the Shudder website on the listing, and a lot of them are really quite savage. Which really surprised me. I, th I thought this film might have been held in higher esteem mm -hmm. than, but um, some people seem to really like it. But like a majority of people seem to really take against it, like just for for whatever reason. I think it's very much of its. It's a kind of a, it's very much a British movie of its time. Yeah. And say having some of those derivative elements and and yeah maybe the, you know the limited budget, uh, sort of uh, is is a problem for people. I, I think it works really well. There's a lot of films that were made around that time that I think mm -hmm. uh, still stand up. I th I, what I like about this is it's the, I, th I find that the repeat watchings are quite rewarding. Um, going back and watching it again was great, but then I watched it again. So I watched it twice for this. So yeah. you, because like I was saying in the case of uh, some other things, uh, it's, you know, there's stuff that's set up quite subtly right at the start and you know as it as it moves through that all come into play which i've never even picked up on it's almost like it was only like this like um the third time that i watched you know second time this time but third time overall that i watched it like so oh so that person there in, in the beginning who has like this throwaway appearance that's that person that 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 was at the end that did this thing it's like you didn't realize that there's the the there's it's almost like the whole thing um he's in the middle um basically he he's uh in a sort of an entrapment kind of situation and yeah. they're sort of pu putting him into a situation and trying to manipulate him and it's yeah. all going on we join him investigate he's investigating the story um you know it's already underway yeah. but the, you know it's, it's already been going on for a while and the and the point we join it is where things start to start to turn and we've seen other films that do do that as well but in this case what i liked was going back and watching it you say oh so when that character said that they were th that ties in very neatly with something that happens later on i don't want to yeah. spoil i'm not going to mention these things because i don't want to spoil them because i think it, it's, it's all part of the 
what's great about the film. But you do well, get the feeling that everything's been orchestrated and almost like a the game. Oh, yeah. Well, it's almost like the Truman Show. It's, uh, you know, it, mm. it's as you say, there is that sort of element of orchestration. You know, there's a particular reveal late on with one of the characters. It's like, oh my god, you as well, kind of thing. And it's like when when you think back to their relationship, it's like, well, was he always part of it? In which case, mm. was he subtly sort of manipulating the character? You know, the guy to sort of. You know, it, it, it's really interesting. The, the other bit I like about this, you know, we mentioned it's a sort of folk horror kind of thing. Mm. Um, and it has this sort of element of sort of paganism to, to, to it. And the film kicks off... Like a mid-90s industrial kind of... Well, exactly. Kind of so, so you know, we, we, we got this sort of clash, haven't we, of like the, the modern and sort of the ancient. So the film starts with this, um, you know, these people dancing, you know, the druids and sort of Wiccans and that sort of thing and all the sort of um, sort of face tattoos and makeup and in the middle of it suddenly drives this huge articulated lorry you know and just it just parks up right next to them and they don't stop you know it's not like oh you you've ruined the the atmosphere now you know you've ruined the ambience it's like no they, they carry on going because that is you know they're waiting for that truck to arrive as it ever happens um, and again like like I said you know this whole thing with the steel mill um element it's, it's um interesting how you got the two you know this sort of very ancient element sort of you know bleeding into the um the modern day it worked really well yeah the um and the other uh, another thing i was gonna say so the um similarities with uh piper specifically which we talked about earlier you know the whole that's got the whole investigating you know he goes and looks up stuff on microfiche yep. and then they get a book, and that's what I was saying about, about earlier. You know, in this one, it's a book that's in Welsh. It's impenetrable. He needs someone yeah. to to um, translate it or, or get the information out for for him. But um, and in the, he, he's constantly at. He doesn't get any easy answers, and he has to trust what the answers that they, that he's given. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got the um, and the and the, going back to you know saying so, so talking about the orchestration and stuff. There's stuff that he says, he mentions about earlier when he's like um, about how he because he he's come back he's in Swansea but That's it's right, Craig yeah. so he's not what he's not got a Welsh accent but actually a lot of the people in the film don't have Welsh accents mm-hmm. but the um he's he's come back to his town where he come back to where he came from which yeah. seems very innocuous at at at, at the start mm-hmm. and then you realise that they actually you know these people actually wanted him they needed him. Um, so then you think, well, was it coincidence that brought him back? Yeah, and you thought, exactly. and you start to think, yeah. well, now actually, the whole return was mm. quite possibly orchestrated. You know, how long have they been planning this, and how much manipulation has been going on? It yeah. probably extends even before we can even, you know, think about yeah. it. So you could go down a very deep rabbit hole of thinking how how much how much control did they have over his life? Because yeah. they certainly knew who he was, and they certainly knew where they wanted him to get to at a particular time so you could say there's plot holes but i Mm -hmm. i prefer to think that that that's implying that there's a a, there's all part of a grander plan i I think that's that's exactly where you know the way it is the other thing with piper is that they go into a gypsy camp which is yeah that's right yeah there's another gypsy camp yeah okay so there we have it. Um, Darklands is currently available on Shudder. If you've got a subscription for that, we, we certainly recommend you go and give it a look. Um, 
ignore the naysayers. Uh, we, we thoroughly enjoyed this. There was something else, actually, Rich, is uh, the fashion of the time mm. with uh, Craig Fairbrass's character. He always seems to be wearing clothes which are one size too big. Oh. <laughs> Which is really weird. I don't know. Maybe weird. that was trying to sort of uh, downplay his physique. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. You know, that yeah. they were trying to, because he, he does get into some brawls and stuff, but he's yeah. there's no like. Um, he's not uh, a fighter as, as such, is he? No, he's, he's supposed to be like a, yeah. you know, just every a regular man, yeah. everyman yeah, exactly. kind of journalist character. So he is kind of playing against type a little bit mm -hmm. with that. So maybe that's what they were going for there. Maybe. One other thing I wanted to mention was, um, so apart from the. Um, uh, the Piper comparisons and all that sort of thing was there was the uh, the, the uh, sorry the sixth Halloween film which mm. came out a year before this also has a lot in common with it this there's oh. um it's another film which involves a cult with members that are covertly part of the community mm. led by someone who's apparently upstanding uh, there's scenes in a hospital the orchestration of a pregnancy um, with a, you know, because they want a baby for, for nefarious ends and stuff. There's a lot of funny similarity. I, th I think that's just these are kind of conventions of cult movies in general, a lot yeah. of that sort of stuff. But I thought in this case, it was just quite funny that I'd never, being that Halloween, uh, that, that particular Halloween movie is basically one of my favorite movies, I'd never picked up the similarities, probably because I'd not seen this for so long. And it's yeah. sort of, oh, they're both made around basically the same time. They've both got these scenes that are quite similar. Because there's, Sorry, I keep going back to the orchestration thing. But there's another scene earlier where um, uh, uh, Fraser goes to a press event, hmm. you know, and that's where he meets um, Keller for the first time. Yeah. And that's a film where the budget seems really obviously limited because there's like a there's just like a banner in the background and there's not really anything. But that scene also has a lot of stuff going on when you go back and watch it. There's like there's like yeah. things in that scene and in people you see and whatever that all comes into play later. So if you watch it, the, watch it the first time and then watch it the second time because you get so much more out of it. Indeed. Sounds it. OK, we don't score the throwbacks. We certainly recommend you check them out. If you've got Shudder, we certainly recommend you go visit. Uh, that is the end of our show. Uh, thanks, Rich. Unfortunately, um, Steve couldn't be with us this week. Uh, it's a family emergency. Next week, we're also covering some Fright Fest stuff, um, so please stay tuned for that. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at the DTV Digest. Uh, also, the short shots, there'll be a new short shots episode dropping shortly. Um, and on the Twitter page, uh, Rich puts a new short link every evening around about 8 o'clock. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.